Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer, a motivational speaker, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. I'm actually working on my second book right now, which is going to be called Stay in the Light When It's Done. So anyway, I wanted to, we've got a really wonderful guest today, but before I introduce her, I want to talk a little bit about kindness. And I know we've talked about kindness on this show before. I even had a guest that that was her whole focus was about kindness. And But I wanted to talk about it in kind of a different perspective. You know, there is so much going on in our world right now. There is so much stress with the coronavirus and, and now with all these riots and things going on, especially in, in the United States. Um, I, I'm just kind of overwhelmed by all of the the sadness and and the crisis and the negativity and all these things that are going on around us and we're just surrounded by it. But this was a month that my husband and I made a decision that June of 2020 was going to be our kindest month ever. And, you know, you talk about, you know, love being very important and love being, you know, like the thing that drives all, but how do you get to that place of love? And, you know, I think it really comes down to kindness and kindness really starts with patience. You know, when we can be patient with each other, we can work work to understand each other and try to really, I know this is kind of kumbaya-ish, but I think there's something real here. When we can be patient with each other, kindness follows. And when you have patience and you have kindness, you have love. And I think that it sounds so simple and so basic, and it's probably easier said than done. But I tell you, since my husband and I came up with this idea to make June the kindest month ever, we've had a great month together. And I told him, I said, when June is over, what about July? (laughs) I want it to keep going, you know. So I'm really hoping that that people will just take heart a little bit and and work for patience. You know, if if somebody says something that kind of sets you off, Think patience. Think how can I, how can I accept what they're trying to say, and just think about it from a, a different heart instead of just jumping on it right away. Same thing when you're driving. If somebody cuts in front of you, demonstrate patience because we all make mistakes when we're driving. That's the one funny thing about driving. Everyone thinks that they are the best driver in the world. That's the one thing that people think that they do better than everybody else. So, and understand that when you make a mistake driving, the other person is going to blame you and you're going to blame them. But rather than blaming anybody, just be patient and go, oops, if you make a mistake, it's okay. So anyway, with all that kumbaya said, I think it's it's a good time to move on with our show. And my guest today is Helen Rose. Helen is the author of 53 Grove Road, which we're going to talk about at the end of our program today. She is a life coach, she's a podcast host, and she's a motivational speaker. She started her journey with grief at the ripe old age of two and a half years old. Um, Helen was born to a Greek father, and we were kind of laughing because we've had some great conversations, and this is probably why. Helen was born to a Greek father, as was I, um, a French mother, and adopted into an Italian family. Now, my mom isn't French, but my mom's Italian and Greek. Um, She is passionate, she talks with her hands, as do I, and she has enormous energy, as I used to have, (laughs) so it's kind of fading a little bit. She is committed to helping others move beyond past traumas to a place of safety and hope, and what more could we ask than to be in a place of safety and hope? I love that. She shares her story so that others can move forward with forgiveness and peace. Welcome, Helen. I'm so, so happy to have you on my show today. Oh, thanks, Becky. I I am so excited, and uh, I I would challenge you to say I think you still have enormous energy uh, <laughs> to do what you do. I know what it takes to do a show like this. So I, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be well, here. Thank you, and thanks for accepting my invitation to have you come on the show. So why don't you take a minute and tell us about yourself, and I know you were in the foster system, and you finally got adopted, and I'm just curious about all of that, how much of that you remember. I mean, just why don't you just kind of tell us your story, because I know that is a big part of, that, of what led you to your coaching and teaching that you do on grief. 
so it's a big story. Um, I was uh, born in Toronto in 1962, which is really important to to note because of the differences in um, in the foster care system then and now. Uh, my mother, my birth mother, uh, gave me uh, up at the age of 11 days old. Um, wow. But I was fostered back and forth between her and eight foster homes uh, between 11 days and two and a half years. So, um, you know, without realizing that my journey with grief had begun because, you know, we're not uh, too, you know, at 11 days old, I don't know that you really are thinking about anything (laughs) other than, you know, food. Food, Um, Um, so, uh, I was, uh, at two and a half placed into what would become my forever home. And it's also important to note that I was, uh, primarily French speaking. So I was placed into an English speaking home at two and a half. Um, and this family, uh, were, were very, very hardworking people who, um, were also dealing with a lot of issues. My father was, uh, an alcoholic uh, my mother was uh, came to came across to me as a very cold uh, person. Uh, so uh, right off the hop, um, my mother and I did not bond um, because, and I'll, and I'll make it clear. So when I'm talking about my mother, I am talking about my adopted mother. So if I talk about my birth mother, I'll say birth mother, and that that's okay. important okay. to have that distinction because it confuses people. That's so my, fair. Thank I, you. Yeah. So I think my the problem with my mother is, and as we, as all parents know, we have a notion of what our children um, are going to be. They're going to be the smartest, the you know, the happiest, the uh, you know, whatever. And here, so my mum, um, uh, is that better? There's yeah. It's it's when I talk, I'm hearing I'm hearing oh, myself, but uh, right. I won't I won't talk for a minute. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, my mother, I think, had a notion of what she wanted as uh, in her family for her children. Uh, she would often tell me that she wanted a blue eye, uh, a blonde, blue-eyed girl. And of course, with my background, I am anything but. I'm very dark hair, dark eyes. Um, but she used to say, you know, but your father wanted you. And it just kind of started with that um, underlying... And again, not being aware of it, but that underlying, um, it, it wasn't a fit. And it didn't help that I was French speaking. It didn't help that I had been in eight foster homes and wasn't going to bond uh, really with anyone. Didn't, don't even, didn't even really know what that meant. So it didn't, um, it didn't fit well and it wasn't my mother's fault. And and I've, you know, you learn this as you go through your grief. It's not about fault. It's not about any of that stuff. So what happened was, is I was uh, in this home where my parents were extraordinarily combative. My my father was an alcoholic. My mother was super frustrated. There were other kids in the home um, at the time. I think if I remember, there was probably up to six kids at one time in the home that were all foster children. So. Um, there was a lot of uh, um, pressure for my mother to look at. I think it, when I did the research for the book, uh, she got me at two and a half, French speaking. She had my adopted brother at six weeks old. And then she had another two kids, a six-week-old baby and an 18-month-old baby. So she got four kids all at once under the age of two and a half. Can you imagine? No. And these are all adopted children then at this these, point? No, they were all foster children. They were all foster. Okay. Right. So, and so then I was um, uh, subsequently adopted at age four and a half. And my uh, adopted brother, they adopted him, I believe, right away uh, at six weeks. So, um, that's kind of where the journey started. Wow. And do you you actually remember most of this or was this something that you learned later with all these other kids and or do you actually remember this you know I don't I don't and I I just I'm always trying I remember little there's little glimpses of it 
um, I was very, very fond of my father, my um, my adopted father. He, in the beginning, was, um, for me, I, I had that feeling, I think, and I don't remember it, but if I think back, uh, you know, he was a very... A uh, kind man, really fun-loving, and just kind of out there, right? Everybody loved my father, <laughs> and I remember him being super open. And my mom used to say, you know, you would go to him and run into his arms, and and I wouldn't go near her. And so, I, I, I in the sense of, do I remember it clearly? No, I don't. But, but you, I you like have, to you say have it good enough. Yeah, you've got that's the feelings. You have the feels about it. So, so yeah, that's. and I think I always say that's where the war began. That's mm-hmm. what I I like to say. Yeah. Mm, wow. So, um, do you are you still in touch with it with any of the folks in your in your past life? Your bio parents, your adopted parents. Is there any connection there still? So with the adopted family, um, both my parents have passed away. Um, um, I have a bit of a connection with the family, and that was my choice. I, I really was so um, um, confused and angry as a young girl. I, and, and we were talking earlier about memory, I think about age 12. Uh, I, I remember distinctly not wanting to be in this, in this family. And so throughout the years, you know, they're lovely people. They really are. I, I just have never really felt a, a real connection. And I don't know that that's their fault. I think I disconnected at a young age. So I am in touch with my, a few of my cousins and one of my dad's sisters, uh, who is, uh, is lovely. Um, my birth parents, I met uh, both of them when I was 30 and my birth mother passed away a couple of years ago, and uh, my birth father is still alive. And yes, we are um, we are quite close, um, you know, as close as two strangers can be. Right. Uh, and last uh, September, I spent time in Greece, and I met my Greek cousins, who are absolutely uh, wonderful, wonderful men. And I've met my Greek aunts, and so I'm always kind of on the outskirts of of families. Uh, I feel that kind of out. You know, I'm always looking for a connection with them, and you know, that's what that whole book, and this is what I talk about, and that's what yeah. it's all. Yeah. Oh, good. So I know that your journey with grief started at that very young age. And in fact, in your intro, I mentioned that it really began at about two and a half. Um, so when did you know, though, when, when could you put a name to it and call it grief and understand that that's really what you were dealing with? So when I wrote the book in 2008, I was in my mid 30s. I had a cousin actually say to me, wow, so much grief. And I remember my ears kind of going, huh? Uh, you know, what is this thing called grief? And really didn't didn't pay a lot of attention to it. What really brought it home was when I was 49. So I went through this whole journey till I was 49 years old uh, when my marriage fell apart and that was when I was kind of knocked right down to uh, the ashes. And uh, that's when I started to realize that I, there was much grieving that had happened on so many levels. Um, that is when I started uh, paying attention to that okay. entire notion. Well, you know, it's for our, our audience that's listening today. I know that generally our conversations are around specifically breast cancer or something that relates to breast cancer. And really, this conversation today fits this need that we're talking about because, you know, when we're going through all the stuff that we're going through in our world today and then add our breast cancer battle on top of it, um, there is a lot of grief. So, you know, we're kind of getting through her story right now as we're listening to how how she built up this, you know, this angst about all of this. But we're going to get to some solutions here shortly. So um, so be thinking of, along that line because we, we all have grief. And, and sometimes it seems to be just super overwhelming and we can drown in it. So we just want, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, so let me just ask you, you developed... Some a title, a topic called Grief Your Way. And I am assuming that you do some speaking on that and you do some life coaching around that. What do you mean by Grief Your Way? What, is, what does that mean to you? 
Well, and absolutely to your point, Becky, about uh, the grief, whether it is uh, breast cancer diagnosis, survival, whether it is the end of a marriage, whether it is a loss of a, um, a marriage, a spouse, a friend, um, grief is everywhere. And what uh, what I the message I always uh, want to give is that um, um, there is a process we all go through, no matter what the grief what the grief is surrounded. And I wanted to kind of normalize the whole the whole bit about um, grief. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it isn't specific, even though it feels specific to you when you're walking through it and you've become aware of it, it is everywhere and, and we don't talk about it enough. We don't give it enough airtime, uh, no pun intended. Um, we, <laughs> we don't give it enough airtime that everyone can walk in that, on that path of grief. And what's lovely is if you've walked on it, the, just the different components about it is you don't know what someone else's journey is, even though you have experienced grief. Does that make sense? I totally, it totally makes sense. And I mean, even as simple as something like we talked about earlier, somebody cuts you off in traffic and now you're all upset, right? You yeah. don't know what just happened to that person. Maybe they have a child in the backseat of the car that they are racing to get to the hospital. We don't know. We don't know what their story is. So before you go get all upset about something that somebody else did, understand that they have their own story that they're walking in right now, and they could be dealing with a massive amount of grief themselves. So I'm going to go back to patience and kindness. <laughs> go, go back there. So absolutely, um, and that yeah. was a perfect. It was a perfect message that you gave. Was it is about being patient with people, and you know, and we'll talk to more about it. But you know, it is it is about being patient with someone else's journey of grief. It is it is about being kind to someone else. We we we're so judgy as human beings, and we're so everything's just so fast paced and go 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 that we stop to forget. We really are on the same journey but differently yeah that's exactly right well on that we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to kind of go back into that question about what is grief your way and then i would love to know kind of how you developed your ideas around grief your way how did how did you that come to you so stay tuned we will be back in a couple minutes Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to our program. And before we get right back into our subject matter, I wanted to do a quick little plug for something that we're working on. Um, If you love this radio show as much as I hope you do, there are four ways that you can get involved in supporting this show. The first one is to share the link to the program with your friends. Let them know you listen to this awesome podcast and you would love to share it with them so that they can listen too. We are on Voice America and several other places, so you we're on a lot of different podcast applications. So you can just go search for Breast Friends Podcast. We come up on whatever your, your favorite one is probably, and then you can subscribe and you can listen to all of our episodes. So do that. Encourage your friends to do the same thing. The next way you can support this program is to donate via text. We have a new text pro- program set up. So you text to um, 41444 and type in the message box BF Radio. And then that's going to pop open a link. You're going to click the link and that will tell you, you you can enter your name, the amount that you'd like to donate, uh, make your credit card payment right there via text. It is, they tell us it's 100% secure. You know, we're hoping so. We believe it is. <laughs> um, so far, we've had no issues with it. But do um, consider making a donation because it does help us keep this program on the air. And the third way is you can join Breast Friends Around the Globe. It's a Facebook group. So you just go to Facebook, go to your account, type is type in, a, in the search box, Breast Friends Around the Globe will come up. You have to click that, and then it's going to, it's a, a request to join, and then you'll be approved almost immediately. Um, and then you can introduce yourself to the group, let us know where you're listening from. And if you are listening from the states of Oklahoma or New Jersey, those are the only two states that I have left on my bucket list to have listeners in. So, Listen to an episode, tell me what you listen to, and tell me if you're from Oklahoma or New Jersey, And because I have a goal to speak to people in all 50 states, and this is how I'm doing it. So um, I've covered 48 of them now. I actually went to 32 states to speak, and the other ones have all been through the radio show, but um, with this day and age, the way things are, and I just had to change I had to alter my goal just a little bit so so do that join breast friends around the globe introduce yourself to the group and then let me know where you're listening from and then the fourth way you can get involved and support the show is to nominate yourself as a radio show guest and you can do that by reaching out to me at becky at breastfriends.org tell me a little bit about your story why you think you'd be a good guest and we're looking for inspirational or educational um, information that will help our our audience so I uh, would love to have you get involved in any of those four ways. So on that note, let's bring back our wonderful guest, Helen Rose. And we're going to kind of pick up where we left off, Helen. Um, we were talking about the, how you developed the concept of grief your way. Can you tell us? I, I know we just started to cover it and then we had to go out to break. So why don't you just pick that up and tell us what that means to you and and how you came up with, with it. Sure. So um, when I uh, was going through my divorce and I was in deep, deep, deep grief, I hadn't even really begun to understand the the entire thing. Um, there was a, a gal in, in my town whose husband had died um, suddenly of a heart attack. And I remember when someone had told me that it happened, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, well, what am I worried about? And um, it was like what I completely did was diminish my journey my journey of understanding why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And, mm-hmm. and quite often when, when you, you deal with a big trauma, um, all of the other traumas you've never dealt with come screaming forward. So that's all the grief you've never recognized, walked through, understood, comes screaming forward. And all of a sudden you're just an absolute mess. And I, re- I was starting to get a glimpse then of how we as a society prioritize each other's grief. Mm-hmm. And, so I really wanted to get across to to people that everyone's journey is different. Everyone, some people's journeys are definitely a lot harder, for sure, scarier, all of those things. But it can't diminish from your personal experience of that. It really, and, and you know, and it comes down to saying things to people you know, I often will will talk to people when, who I'm coaching and, you know, say, tell me a list of the absolutely ridiculous things people have said to you when you're standing <laughs> there in your grief. And I, you know, I hear you laugh. So I know you've heard and I bet you could give me a list. Yeah, I probably could. Yeah. <laughs> but I want, I want to hear your list. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my lists was 
um, you know, I don't even know the time frame now, but, you know, someone said, oh, aren't you over him yet? And I'm like, um, well, no. Um, but what happened is 10 years, almost 10 years later, um, this gal whose husband was lost, um, she could post on her Facebook, you know, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm having beautiful memories. Um, you know, I still love you, all of those things. And I still have beautiful memories of my marriage even though it ended, but if I put that on a social media going, oh my gosh, I remember the time when we, you know, went to Alaska, mm-hmm. people would be like, oh my, she's not over him yet. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not how it works. And it would be similar to say to someone, you know, what, uh, you know, it's even, I have a friend who's um, lost two of her three children, the, <sighs> you know, it's horrific. And people will say to her, well, at least you still have your daughter. And she's like, oh, yes, because it's all interchangeable. And that's where that anger that comes up. And anyone who's been aware of the grief they've, they've experienced, that anger comes out of nowhere. And then people look at you like you're crazy, you haven't dealt with it, you know, all those things. And so we, it became really evident to me that we really have to have, we have to gain a better understanding of what that journey feels like. I couldn't talk. I could not speak to what your journey is, Becky, with with living with um, with breast cancer, with you know, you know the advanced stage of cancer. I can't speak to that. I may be able to maybe understand that all of the frightening parts and all of the bits it is to grief, but I can't speak to that. You would not, in turn, be able to speak about um, what it was like to be kind of have the feeling of being tossed between home and home and home yeah, and home, yeah. right? Yeah, I and I it. think we, when you're talking about your theme today of kindness, it's like we need to learn to be kinder and and just be a little, I always say to people when I'm speaking, zip it, zip it. You don't need to say, well, aren't you over him yet? Oh, well, at least you. Uh, and you know what the scary thing is? Is we all do it. We all say those stupid things. I have a, uh, an acquaintance who had a double uh, mastectomy and I said to her in my thinking I was being kind, you know, well, you know, at least you're alive and, you know, you don't really need them. And and she actually said, she called me on it in a very kind way. She said, well, how dare you say something like that to me? She goes, I look at your breasts every day. And I thought, oh my gosh. So it's just, I want to speak to the boat, bringing the awareness of zipping it because you're trying to be kind. There's no ill intent. I truly believe that there's no ill intent when people are trying to reach out to your pain. So I want to speak to that because you just hit on something that I think is really important. You know, sometimes in our effort to relate, to sound like we have some kind of an idea of what you're going through, stupid things do come out of our mouths. We've all said them, like you, you know, as you mentioned, um, and I think that from the listener's perspective. So, you know, when when somebody when she said to you, you know, I look at yours all day long. How could you say something so insensitive? I know, I know that the the intention was to relate, right? So, I think that from that kindness perspective, to give people permission to mess up. You know, we need to give people permission to mess up. I mean, we can correct them gently, lovingly, like your friend did. Um, But I think that if we get mad at everybody for every dumb thing they're going to say to us in our lifetime, you know, it's it's just going to cause our own internal hurt. And, you know, just being able to say, you know, I know that came from a place that was well intended, but let me tell you how it made me feel. And just explain it to them, you know, Absolutely. and and don't be mad at them for it, but teach them, you know, teach them lovingly and, you know, kindly. And, you know, like right now when people say to me, oh, you're such a fighter, you're going to beat this. Well, I love the idea that I'm going to beat this. The chances that I'm going to beat this are pretty slim unless there is a miraculous healing. And I mean, literally a miraculous healing. My doctors even told me he can't make this go away. All he can do is buy me more time. And so we're just going to keep trying to buy time you know, until, I, until I can't get any more of it. But right. when people say you're a fighter and you're going to beat this, I know their intentions are are wonderful and and they're thinking from a a really you know place of respect. I get that, but what it does to me is it kind of invalidates 
the feelings I actually have around all this, you know, that that I want to see my grandchildren grow up. I want to see all my grandchildren that are going to be born. I want to see them all, but chances are that's probably not going to happen. And that's sad for me. And so it kind of it kind of takes away that feeling, those feelings that I have, it sort of just invalidates. So I just wanted to share that, but but when they say silly crazy things anyway, love on them, you know. I I know that yeah. came from a place of good intention, but here's how it made me feel. And you can actually teach people that way and they don't hate you for it, and I think it's I think there's some some goodness that can come from that. So I just wanted to add that little piece. No, so. and, and you're absolutely right. And that's so that's kind of my, one of my goals is when I'm when I'm speaking to people or and I'm coaching people, it's like you have to turn it because it, it's a such a heavy subject, right? This whole race. Yeah. And so what's nice is that if you could turn it into, um, you know, not to diminish the experience, but a laughable moment where you're like, oh, okay, here they go, and so and it lightens it. And um, and what happens is when I'm speaking to people that maybe they'll become more aware of when they're speaking to someone. I think the problem with that with that piece is they don't they don't know what to say. They don't want they don't want to. Uh, first of all, they don't can't deal with the emotion. They don't know what to say. They feel helpless too. And I think if we recognize that that this whole bit about grief and each one of our different experiences with grief is a community. Um, held um, uh, experience. Yeah, you know, uh, feel alone, but you aren't alone. Even though you are alone, you know, what I mean, like, and that speaks to that. No one's going to know what it felt like for me to sit on my couch realizing that the end of my marriage was happening and I couldn't do a damn thing about it. And I think that's that's where people, you know, don't know what to do with that. I'm, we're just as helpless as you are in it, right? So it's that's just, true. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think, too, that a lot of times, you know, from the, the friend's perspective, the one who, who's watching you go through this and doesn't know what to say, you know what, it's perfectly okay to say, I'm watching you go through this and I'm just so sad for you. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help you through this, but I just want you to know that I am here to talk or come by for coffee or whatever you need whenever you need it. So it's okay to admit you don't have the answers because... You know, we don't all have the answers, and it's better to admit you don't have one than to just kind of throw something out there that may or may not be, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, and, so it's okay. Yeah, it is. It's true. And and I think I get the sense that sometimes people tire of your grief. Now, um, you know, I'm sure you've heard this often, you know. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard this, Becky. I don't know your, your journey entirely, but I have a girlfriend that was battling cancer in March and she has been declared um, cancer free and we're all like yay and all of a sudden there's this that note that okay now she can get on with her life well that's not how it works right that's true that's not how it works and and even the I've kind of come to the point in my life where when I hear when somebody tells me that they've been declared cancer free I don't correct that statement because they I think we all need to have that hope but um, I don't necessarily believe in those words, cancer-free, right? Um, be- because it, you can go 18, 20 years and not have anything recur, and then boom, there it is. So, and it's and it actually turns out to be a recurrence, not a new one, which means you never were really cancer-free. And I don't want to make everyone think that they're going to get cancer again because most people don't. A lot of people get it one time; they're one and done. And they'll live another 50, 60 years. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and that's, that's really great. But for a lot of us, it's not the case. You know, I had, a, I had two gene mutations that led to probably a lot of my susceptibility in this. And um, so, you know, we have the family history there that was pretty intense. And so I actually did have gene testing. And I have two genetic defects that lead to breast cancer. Um, and, you know, so a lot of a lot of people have a lot of that in their life, and so to be declared cancer-free is is kind of a uh, comforting, not necessarily truth. <laughs> so yeah, and I think that it's really important to note too is that um, it it comes from a fear-based place too. You know, I remember when I was first, you know, kind of out, you know, after the initial shock of everything, and then I was starting to, you know, re-enter my life and going out 
to dinner with friends and whatever, quite often you could feel, and I don't know if it was imaginary, but you could just feel wise, like kind of putting their arm on, their hand on their husband's arm. And it's like, oh my gosh, I better go, I better be really nice to my husband so he doesn't end the marriage. And it's like, oh wow, okay, there's another thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't ask for this. I, that's a whole different thing. It's exactly the same thing with a cancer diagnosis or any disease that mm-hmm. is diagnosed. It's like, you didn't, no one asks for these things. Right. That is so true. That is so true. You know, we only have about a minute or so left until our next break, but I wanted to ask you um, one question about, and you kind of touched on it early, early on in our conversation, but why is it so important for you that grief becomes a comfortable topic in our society? We don't talk about it enough, but you've made this your life's work. Why is it so important to you? It it is uh, it is so important for me to have an understanding, uh, you know. So I kind of felt like I was always floating in nothingness most of my life. I didn't I didn't fit in somewhere, and so when I started to recognize my uh, journey with grief, I recognized that when you're in the depths of it in the beginning and you're carrying through, because it takes a long time, if ever. Uh, it was really important for me to uh, let everyone know that they weren't alone because that was so important for me, for my little, my little Helen to know she belonged somewhere. So uh, does that make sense? It does. And we're going to go out to break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some specific steps to overcoming grief. And so stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about grief your way with our guest, Helen Rose. And Helen, before we went out to break, um, we were talking about, you know, just why is why is talking about grief so important? But I really want to get to some nitty-gritty stuff here that our listeners can, when they're done with this call or li- done listening to this interview, they can go, 
wow, I love that idea. I can do that. So I know you have some rather non-traditional ideas or the, surrounding you know, the topic of grief and maybe some solutions. What are some of your best tips that you can share with our audience today on processing grief, you know, setting it aside? What, what, what can you tell our audience? Just some couple little snippets of good advice. Well, the first thing I, I will say is to be kind to yourself. We beat ourselves up so much. We, we, we're always looking to forgive others and we forget to forgive ourselves. And so in a, in a case where you've said something that was insensitive is, uh, okay, let it go. And, and so what I love to do is I love to take the experience of either someone um, offending you, not necessarily intentionally, of course, or you offending someone intentionally. So what I love to do, and I do this in my workshops, is is let's take the experience, let's attach the feelings to it, let's honor um, honor those feelings, and then get rid of them. Um, if they are, 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 you know, negative feelings around something, you've said, like, don't beat yourself up because you said to someone, eh, you don't need those, you don't need your breasts, you know, okay, let it go. And then what I love is that is then is, is think about being more intentional when you are faced with that situation again on both sides on either side of the experience you can google the five steps the six the seven steps of grief and certainly i talk to all of those what i love is that in that experience of exploring the experience is to recognize ah okay so this is why i got so angry ah this is why i'm still sad 10 years after when i'm triggered by something so i i i think i just like to be able to um uh, have an entire experience around it and just to be more aware of how you're accepting feedback, how you're giving feedback. And it's really hard to do. Let me tell you, it is, and I, I know that people know this, it is really, really, really hard work to be that person. It is, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, I had a, a thought on this too. I, was, I attended a, a workshop Oh, I don't know, five years ago or something. And in the workshop, one of the questions that he asked us was, what is, what are the things in your life that you are dragging around with you that are no longer serving you? You know, whether it's a, a situation that happened that you just keep doing the coulda, woulda, shouldas. It's a person that's been dragging you down but you keep dragging this along with you and and it just it's not serving you all it's doing is just making you feel bad most of the time so he had us just really quietly and observantly um write those things down on on little index cards we had little, these little stack of index cards we had to write down one thing per index card a person a subject a thought whatever and we wrote them down and then we went we had a little ceremony where he had this, this, he dug a hole on the grounds at the school, or this was at a, at a college in a classroom, but we went outside and he had dug a hole in the ground um, with, I'm sure, their permission, <laughs> and we all tore up our little pieces of paper and we threw them into the hole. And then he took a plant and he planted the plant inside the hole and he covered it with dirt and now this plant was going to you know grow and he said, and what's going to be feeding your plant is all that crap you just threw in the hole. That's <laughs> absolutely just, beautiful. And it's so funny I you say that. I loved that. <laughs> when I speak, I drag up a, an old suitcase onto stage and I make this big thing about, oh my God, this is so heavy. And I slam it down on the stage and I was like, does anyone have any of this, you know, baggage? And everyone, <laughs> of course, does. But the beauty of that ceremony is that, and it's important to know, is that sometimes that crap does come back and the beauty of knowing is that okay that's crap that can go back in and I love that analogy of putting a plant in there and I will quite often say the the plant for me and in my workshops and when I'm speaking to people is you so you're going to plant you're fully aware of all the crap that you're standing on but it's up to you to decide how you want to grow from that Good. Yeah. And I, I just, I, there's just something to that letting go. You know, there was a person that was on my list and it was the person I was dragging around. But then when it, when I really thought about it, I crossed out the person and I said the behavior. It wasn't the person. I mean, you know, the person is just a person, but it was the behavior that this person demonstrated to me. And it was all those reminders of the different things that she did to me 
in my life. And I drug that around with me for all these years. And, and I was actually able to find forgiveness for the person because it wasn't the person I wanted to throw into the hole. It was the behaviors of the person I wanted to throw in the hole. And it just, it really put a different perspective on it for me. And, and there's actually been healing between me and that person now because of that. So absolutely. um, Because after all, we all do something that uh, could offend someone intentionally or not. Absolutely. Right. And, and isn't that beautiful when you get to that place of forgiveness and yeah, yeah. It, it's not and, you know, easy, though. It was, well, you know what? It isn't easy to call somebody and say, I forgive you, because they've probably forgotten all about it. And they go, forgive me for what? What did I do? And now you just started <laughs> all over again. So what I did, what I did is I wrote her and I asked her to forgive me for holding a grudge against her for all these years and never allowing her to feel welcome in my home. Wow. And that goes back to my point earlier about when you're talking about your energy. That takes an incredible amount of energy to do, Becky. Good for you. Well, she forgave me for that and said, but you know what? It was really, and she took the responsibility and said it was her fault because she treated me badly. And I thought, wow, we've gone full circle. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, that's wonderful. It was was an interesting thing. But I guess the bottom line of that little scenario is, you know, we all have a role that we play. Whenever there's a, a conflict between two people, each person has a role and take responsibility for your part, for your role and, and ask for forgiveness for your part because it's much easier to ask forgiveness for your part than to offer forgiveness for something that they've forgotten they did, you know, right. and, and then it'll kind of, I don't know, maybe it'll go full circle. I don't know. It did for well, me, well, so that was good. It will. Yeah. I, met, I met a gentleman on a plane one time. I was coming back from Guatemala and uh, uh, he was a professor of theology at the University of Guatemala or someplace or something like that. And he said, you know, I want you to hold a coin and and recognize there's actually oh, more there's more than two sides to the coin there's three oh, and the edge yeah okay. <laughs> yeah so oh there's that canadian emmy going a eh? i just did it <laughs> <laughs> love it <laughs> um okay so let you know what we're we're going to run out of time here and i do want to hear about you personally so we shared a couple of ideas for letting go of some grief and maybe hopefully that'll help and and honestly if you find that this is helpful to you please go to breast friends around the globe tell me you listened to this episode and tell me if if any of the advice you've gotten today on this show was helpful to you because you know that that kind of feeds my soul too it feeds the souls of my guests and we all we're all here for the same reason and it's to try to make this world a better place so if you are receiving something from this Share it on Breast Friends Around the Globe. If you'd like to see something and hear a subject, go to Breast Friends Around the Globe and post it there because that's where we get a lot of ideas and inspiration from. So so anyway, do that, please. Um, so you are a motivational speaker. So we just heard about your baggage. I love that. We always carry a suitcase when we go speak. So that that's kind of a, that's a, that's an easy one, right? Just mm-hmm. wheel it up on stage or I guess you want the kind that doesn't wheel because it's really hefty <laughs> no mine's really antique it's one of those old you know oh. those one oh yeah it's just with beautiful. no wheels <laughs> yeah no wheels and it's heavy yeah. if you want it to be yeah <laughs> so you're uh, you're also an author you wrote a book called 53 grove road and so what is that so 53 grove road is written from the perspective of young helen uh and the anger and and, and interestingly enough the the um the unknowledge of carrying the grief and i was in that place where i was really feeling very sorry for myself and i was really angry and i I wanted to punish my mother for the lack of connection I had with her and and uh, I was, you know, kind of the victim of an alcoholic father. So it's a very powerful book written from the perspective of a young uh, a young lady who is really quite damaged. Um, I'm just actually finishing up the second edition of that because I felt like I needed to make it a little more 3D. I mean, it was my first foray into, you know, published work. So. Sure. Um, but my second book is about, and I'm working on that, is about the perspective of someone that has healed. And, uh, it, it, you know, it, first it was written, um, you know, it was very cathartic to write, but now it's, it's, it's written to, to share with other people who have experienced or may not be aware of the grief they're carrying. Oh, ah, okay. 
Yeah, awareness is certainly important in this whole process, isn't it? If you don't even know you have grief, then how do you how do you deal with it? So just even yeah. recognizing that that what you're feeling is actually grief. I yeah, mean, that, it, ex- ex- it explains a lot of anger. Uh, sorry mm-hmm. to cut you off, but it explains a lot of the anger and explains a lot of the sadness and it explains all of that. And that's where I that's where I get my passion is if you can be away from that and live, you can live a very beautiful life despite those challenges. Wonderful. Now, you also do workshops. You have a workshop called The Gift of Being Present. What mm-hmm. is that about? But you've got to give me the quick one now because we're almost out of time. Okay, so that one's just beyond exciting. It, it starts out with a five-week program called Intentional Freedom, and it's starting to explore and get used to with the terminology of triggers and all of that. Then the six-month program of the gift of being present is let's dive deep. Let's get some of this stuff done. Let's bury our crap. Let's grow from it and, and live the life you want to live. Are these virtual that? programs? That's wonderful. Yes. Are these virtual programs or do they actually have to come to you in nope. person? They are all online courses and I'm just I'm in the process of getting everything uploaded onto my new website. So I'm hoping by mid-July it'll be ready to launch. I am wonderful. beyond excited. Yes, yes. That's exciting. And you also have a podcast. And so how can people listen to your podcast? So the podcast is called Sharing Stories with Helen Rose, and it is all about, very similar to what you do, Becky, and, and it's like, it's having people um, uh, talk about their journeys and, um, and where their gift came out of the experiences they've had. Wonderful. Well, I am so, so happy that you spent time with me today. Um, it's kind of fun because I've had guests from various parts of the world. I've had guests from Australia. You're from Canada. I've had people from England. I had a guy from Ireland. I mean, it's it's really fun to have guests and being able to do it electronically like this. It makes it very doable and practical. So it's really been great to have you, Helen. You, you are you're just a joy to talk to. I know we, we spent a little time on the phone one day on a, on a Skype or a Zoom. I guess that was a Zoom call. But um, yeah, I just really, there's something about you that you just, I think we just kind of connect. Maybe it's yeah. our heritage. I don't, I don't really know. I don't but. know, but I, I am so grateful that you're doing what you're doing. And it was so Thank nice. You. I can't wait to meet you in person one day when all this <laughs> nonsense day. of COVID clears up. Um, so how but, can people uh, reach you? Because we're almost out of time. How, so what what's the best way for people to reach you for your um, book, your workshops, what all, everything? Web- Website is www.helenrose.ca, and uh, the new website will be uh, www.thegiftofbeingpresent.com. I assume there'll be a link on helenrose.ca to, yes. to that. Okay, so www.helenrose.ca, which is for Canada, and um, I'm so excited to have met you. We are out of time. We will be back next week, and until then, remember, there is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.